Welcome to Faith Church Podcast, where we are a safe place to find and follow Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God will impact your life through today's message. Now, this has been a couple of different weeks, I will tell you that. So we had our mega sports camp last week, so I spent most of my time from the stage yelling, dancing, sweating, all that good stuff. So this is going to be a little bit different. So I won't be, won't be yelling, I don't think, and I definitely won't be dancing. Um, I know, right? I know we're definitely sad on that. Um, I've absolutely been loving this Sermon on the Mount uh, just series as we are just diving in and, and really chewing on the Word of God, just moving from a place of it just being the milk of the Word, where it's, um, you know, which is important for babies, but actually taking it and, and chewing on it for a moment, taking small sections and just letting it be our appetite. I love that. Um, what, what I love about today's particular message, um, we're going to be talking about a particular scripture here where it's uh, titled The Narrow Gate. Um, I've been really excited from the moment that, you know, getting to choose which particular topic, I was just like, yes, I will I will teach on this one. I was excited about it right from the start. One, um, it can be looked at as some of a controversial kind of aspect because it's really a black and white um, kind of scripture, which we're going to look at. Um, I'm not, I don't necessarily look for conflict, but I'm definitely not afraid of uh, conflict when it comes to scripture. What I love and I encourage everyone in here as well as myself is that we understand that we are always students of the Bible. God is always teaching us. So there, there can be times that we encounter scripture where we're just like, what does this mean? Lord, help me to understand it. And, and that's okay. It's okay for us to be a continual student in the word of God. And it's okay to not understand. The Holy Spirit will teach us if we ask him. He will give us all wisdom in In the word of God, so let's dive in. We are gonna be reading from Matthew 7 today. We're gonna be looking at verses 13 and 14 and we will chew on these scriptures just a bit more as we get into it. Coming from the New Living Translation and the word says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So I love looking at, um, I love looking at end times kind of stuff. If, if you've had a conversation with me, the chances are we've had a conversation in some way, shape or form of me talking about that. I love teaching on prophecy. A good portion of the Bible is full of prophecy, not just of what is to come, but prophecy that has already been fulfilled. One of the reasons I so value prophecy is because it's an affirmation that God is the beginning and the end. And so it's not, we don't use prophecy as a fortune-telling kind of strategy. Although our confidence 
when we look at the word and because God has already affirmed that what he always says always happens, we have confidence in that what he says will happen is still yet to come. And this is where our hope lies, not just in Jesus, but God perfectly scripted out all of eternity with the promise of Jesus in mind. Jesus was there in the beginning, and we remember from the scripture uh, in, in the beginning of John, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and nothing was created without him, and everything that was created was through him. So Jesus was the word in the beginning, and that is so exciting that we, when we put our trust in God, that we have such a promise of such magnitude that says, listen, the Lord who created this universe, and if we were to go into looking at the vastness of the universe, the very one who is outside of time, who is outside of matter, who spoke it into existence, gave us this word, this map, so that we have something to follow so that we can be with him forever, and that is just incredible. So when we look at this, what I want you to do, we're going we're gonna to pause for a moment. I want you to picture this, and I was going to write this out, but this is going to be really challenging. So I'm going to walk us through this. So picture this. It's Sunday morning, and you're on your way to church. You're on your way to 1320 East Strub Road, or if you're going to visit a different church, you're on, you're on your way there. You're driving there. Kids are in the back. Breakfast was late. Shoes are still not on. We're driving to church, though. Every once in a while, you might have to glance back. Someone's yelling at the other family member. You get to the church. You walk in. There's nice faces greeting you, maybe even a parking team that says, hey, park here. Happy smiles. You grab your donut and coffee. Drop the kids off. You hear the worship music starting because you're just like, man, I just, I'm just behind and all that. And then as you're, as you're walking into the sanctuary, what happens is you hear this ringing of the microphone just feedbacking. And instruments fall to the floor and the guitar tone ringing. And then the person that was standing next to you is now a pile of clothes. I love this message because God has a heart for us to know him. God has a heart for no one to be left behind. And we know that from his word. It's God's will that none should perish, but all to be called to repentance. That's a hard picture. And my hope is that that would never happen to anyone. It's important because it's important for us to understand this is because there is a great deception happening in our world right now. When we look at the Bible and we look at scripture, God has marked out and paved a path for us to know. Not only for us to know the truth of his word and how to be in relationship with his son Jesus Christ, but he's given us his word, so that we will be able to know the season that we're living in, so that we will be able to know and have an expectancy of his return. In 2 Peter 3.3, 3, 
And I'm, I'm going to be going through a fair amount of scripture, and I did not put all of them on the screen. So I do encourage you, um, I do encourage you, if this is, if you are a student of the Bible and you're like, listen, I want to chew on this, I do encourage you to go back to look, we post these online. By all means, I, I encourage you to always dig into the word yourself. Look at context. I'm obviously, for myself, I'm doing everything I can to remain in context, but the same way that when Pastor Tom is up here preaching or any other person, it's important for me and my responsibility as a believer of Christ to study God's word and to take ownership for myself, not only for me, but because I have an entire family that I'm leading. And so I encourage you to go back. It is on our Church Center app or on our website. You can find it from there. So we're gonna look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. It says, most importantly, I wanna remind you that the last day, in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and follow, following their own desires. What I find so interesting about this is as I, so we as the church, we are the bride of Christ. We are looking forward to our wedding day. As the bride of Christ, Christ is the groom. He's coming back for his bride. I'm looking forward to this. I, I find it so unique that when I engage in these conversations of Christ's return is that people will mock me or I've even heard it said that I don't think that's happening anytime soon. And it's not that I'm trying to be right. It's not that I'm trying to choose a date, but I know that when me and my wife got married, as the groom, I would hope my wife would be excited for the wedding day. I would hope that as we're leading up to that, butterflies are kicking in. I mean, it's exciting. I'm, and what's on her mind and what's on her conversation when she's talking to people? This is what's happening in life. Someone says, what's happening in your life? She said, I'm about to get married. I would hope that's on a priority list of things that you talk about because the wedding day is important. So when I'm looking at scripture and I'm looking at this, what I'm looking forward to is the wedding day when Christ is gonna come back for his bride. And that is us. And that, I'm telling you, is exciting. But for some, it may not be exciting. Um, and that, that, is, that is a hard truth. So right now, again, we have a great deception. In the last days, there's gonna be scoffers and mockers. We are seeing that in the world we're living in right now. And I'm gonna try to set this up relatively quick. I'm not going into a lot of prophecy or looking at stuff that's going on in the world to in depth, but I think it's important when we're trying to walk a path, if I were going to give any one of us and draw a line on the ground and say, walk this path, it is going to be much easier to walk this path with our eyes open than with our eyes closed. And so the goal for walking any path, like we said, the Bible says, what we just read in Matthew, there's a narrow path that leads to life. What is really important is for us to open our eyes is the first step in understanding how to walk this path. We need to be looking. The stage is being set right now in our world. And I love having conversations about this because, again, just like a bride excited for the wedding day. I love talking about this. The stage is being set, and as we're looking, and people say, oh, there's wars and rumors of wars. Well, no, that's always been. Okay, 
And there, when, you know, people said it was the last days when uh, in the world wars and Holocaust. There's, there's a significant difference when you look at the Bible and you actually start studying God's word is there's a particular something that happened in the history of the world that makes it exciting to think my wedding day is coming. And that was in May 14th of 1948, the state of Israel was reborn. That is significant. And why is it significant? Because God's chosen people, but there are a number of prophecies in Scripture that God is talking about. Number uh, The first prophecy would be in Ezekiel 37. We're gonna, not going to dive into it, but it's the prophecy of the bones coming together. And it says in Scripture, we interpret Scripture with Scripture, it says that the bones coming together is Israel. As you see the bones coming together, and through that whole process, the bones are coming together, flesh is coming on, the body, it, it's, it, it's all being put together. We see that with the nation of Israel. And that's the prophecy. But there's one last thing that happens in Ezekiel is the breath of God is breathed life into the body. And so one thing we know about Israel, the state of Israel right now, is they're being put together and God's blessing is on them like you wouldn't believe. If you've ever seen the body come together, that you're witnessing it. You are living in prophetic times right now. The only thing is they still do not believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he already came and died. And so we are yet waiting for the breath of God to come forth. Not only that, but Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24. He talked about the fig tree. When it comes to the fig tree, that is the prophecy of Israel. How do I know that? Because he further explains to his disciples the fig tree prophecy that I was talking about is actually Israel. When you see this coming together, he says, surely the generation that sees Israel coming together will not pass away before my return. So why am I excited? Because that was 75 years ago. And if Christ's promise is true, which we know it to be, it is exciting to think that his return is soon. Again, not choosing dates, because there are a lot of people, we'll look at Matthew 24, it says, no one knows the day or the hour. Whew, I, get, I, I hear that one a lot. Um, although I'm not the person that's saying, this is the day, this is the hour. I love looking at scripture and I love processing it. But what's unique about um, the no one knows the day or the hour, when he was referencing, when he, he was talking about summer will pass and then no one knows the day or the hour, what's unique about that is in the Jewish culture, the Feast of Trumpets, which takes place in the fall, that is actually known as the day that no one knows the day or the hour. The reason for that is because two people were standing watch for the new moon, the first sliver of the new moon. And when that would happen, they would blow the shofars and it would, uh, it would alert those who are paying attention to come to the temple. But once the gate was closed at the temple, no one could come in. So it was very important in their culture when that show, to be attentive in your working. If you're working in the field, you were having your lamps lit. Why did you need to have oil in your lamps prepared? You needed to have it ready because when the sliver of the new moon happened, you would make your journey to the temple and it would be dark. And if you weren't prepared, you would miss out and the gate would be closed. And so Christ is using this to teach us that no one knows the day or the hour. So what is important, I love about Matthew 24, what's important is as he's talking about this, no one knows the day or the hour. So what he says immediately after that, 
Keep watch. Wait a minute, I thought you just said no one knows the day or the hour. So what am I watching for? In, in our world, we see globalism on the rise. Globalism, it, it is the talk of the entire world. Is like we need a global community. You can see like other things coming into play that, um, that the Revelation talks about. And I've, in one of our studies for Revelation, one of my Bible studies, we, have, we actually got to talk about a few of these things. There are certain things in place that would not be able to happen. For instance, in Revelation, it talks about two witnesses being killed by the Antichrist, and everyone saw it. You weren't able, everyone in the world was not able to see something happen at that time 20 years ago. But now... We have the ability instantaneously to see right now what's happening on the other side of the world. So there are certain things that are in play right now in our world that says prepare yourself, prepare your house. And it's really important because this path that we're on, we need to make sure that we're walking this path. I'm just gonna tap on a couple other things. When it comes to globalism, when we look at prophecy and we understand um, the study of who God is in this orchestration of his plan, we can look at um, stuff on the global stage. So right now, the UN, United Nations, they are putting together a, they have, they have actually put together a goal for a global unity. They're calling for peace and security. And I got two slides for this. If you want to show the first slide on that. So this is the United Nations, a screenshot I took from the United Nations website. So they're calling, it says, we need seven years of accelerated transformative action to achieve our goals. So right now, they're calling the nations of the world, the leaders of the world, to come together and to agree on a seven-year agreement. If you study what Scripture says, and I'm not saying that this is this, okay? But I'm saying we need to keep watch because globalism is on the rise, and this is just a sign of the Lord's coming. Also, at the same time, we have the prophecy of the fig tree. So a seven-year treaty or commitment, however you want to call it, we know that in the book of Revelation, if you study it, it says that the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to confirm a covenant with many for seven years. I'm not saying that this is it. However, it's so unique that the United Nations right now is choosing to do a goal, which they're, they plan on signing this in sep this September, the day after the Feast of Trumpet. Again, not saying that this is it, but what's unique is that we can actually see the world trying to move to globalism in the times that we're living. And then go ahead and go to the next slide. Peace and security. So in the... You can go ahead and just leave this slide up here real quick. So peace and security, or the reason that is important is because in 1 Thessalonians, um, what's, you, Thessalonians, it actually talks about the coming of the Lord. It says, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come expectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, I don't know why they're choosing this language. 
And I don't know the plan of the enemy, but I don't have to know the plan of the enemy because I know the plan of God. So all that to say, and I'm gonna just go ahead and kind of, so it says you're gonna, it's, he's gonna come like a thief in the night. So we don't know, but what's unique about that is says in verse four, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. You're not in the dark. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. No one knows the day or the hour, but you're not gonna be surprised because you're keeping watch. So, like I said, what's important is for us to watch. Well, what are we supposed to watch and how are we supposed to watch? When it comes to watching, what we need to do is make sure that this is the most important thing. When we look at what's happening on the global stage, it's not to cause fear. Those who have their trust in Jesus, we have no need to fear. Everything is not falling apart. Everything is falling into place. But that's through the lens of scripture. Because God gives us his word. So this narrow path that we're talking about, I love our God that he gave us his word so that we can walk this narrow path. We are keeping watch through the lens of scripture. The Bible keeps us from being deceived and will guide us down the correct path. What's unique when it comes to counterfeit money, if you are in the business of trying to, like, to identify counterfeit money, you do not study counterfeit money. You study real money and all the features of it so that when deception comes or when counterfeit comes, you can recognize it. What's challenging in our world, and we know this from scripture, is that it says in the end times that there's gonna be a great falling away. We have fallen away from studying the word of God ourselves. I love that Pastor Tom loves the word of God. I love when he preaches. I love hearing it. I love it. But it is so important for me to be in the word myself. I'm glad you come on Sundays and I'm glad we can learn the word of God and worship together. And God uses these times to encourage the body. Don't forsake meeting together, but it's important for us to gather together to encourage one another. But what's really important is you must own your faith and you must be in the word of God because this is what's gonna keep you from deception and this great deception is happening around the world. If you paid attention to anything that's happening in the news, even in the news, they're talking about UFOs on Capitol Hill, talking about UFOs. What world are we living in? But if you know scripture and you look at the setup of what is happening, it is another means of a great deception. If, if we go back to that scenario, that picture this, if instantaneously God calls, comes back for his church and people, the church is gone, the great, there is gonna be a greater deception like you have never seen ever in this world and we hopefully won't see because we will be at the marriage feast uh, of the Lamb. So that, that's gonna be exciting. But what's happening, if you think about UFOs, 
It's easy way to explain it away. And that is, uh, that is what they're talking about in Capitol Hill, as if we don't have a whole lot of other things that are important to talk about right now. It's a great deception being set up. There's one other time in scripture um, that I, I remember Jesus says, he, he's telling his disciples to keep watch. He tells them to keep watch in the garden of Gethsemane. He has his disciples there. And he's just like, you know what? I'm gonna go over here and pray. You guys pray. Keep watch. Okay. So Jesus comes back. What are they doing? They're sleeping. Sawing logs. Me, 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 me. You know, however they do it. And then he wakes them up. Goes away again. No, you keep watch. Pray. He's telling them this is important. What happens when he comes back again? They're sleeping again. That moment in the garden, what's unique, is that as Jesus was being arrested, Peter grabbed a sword, and I'm pretty sure he was aiming for the guy's head, but he missed and cut off his ear. I don't know. I mean, that's just me adding something in there. I, you know, I'm speculating he's not swinging for the ear. Um, so Peter was ready to fight, but be, I just find it so unique that he kept falling asleep and didn't keep watch What's unique about that is I, I really just believe if he was praying and keeping watch the way the Lord was telling him, he would have had a better understanding that it's not the physical world that we're fighting, but it's the spiritual that we're fighting. It, what Peter would have known, I don't need to swing this sword to try to take off this guy's head. But this is what God has planned for, this, for Jesus Christ to be arrested and then um, and then wounded for our, you know, our transgressions. But there, there's another moment that God says, keep watch. If God's heart is for none to perish and all to be called to repentance, shouldn't our heart be the same? So let me tell you again why this is so important, why I put so much value on these particular scriptures. I love looking at prophecy. I love looking at the return of the Lord. And I do wholeheartedly believe that this time is coming soon because of what scripture says. He says you can know the season, you can pay attention to it. And we see the setup of all these pieces in our world right now. But what is most important is not me choosing a date. What's most important is for me to tell other people about it. And I have these conversations regularly with the lost because we, we wanna talk about what's going on in the world. We want to complain about politics. We want to complain about money. We don't want to complain. Like, and, and that's okay because I, I would not expect anything else from someone who's lost. But what's unique is I've actually had these conversations with individuals that as we get into these conversations, I'm telling them this is what's going to happen. And I've actually had uh, one individual before say, okay, well, when I see this antichrist come on the scene, I'm going to believe then. And I'm just like, I'm like, I don't know if you, you don't understand. Like, this is going to be a great deception to such a magnitude that even those who at, I'm telling you, at the moment of the rapture, there's going to be a great revival happening because there's going to be a lot of people who be like, oh my gosh, Mel was telling me about this. That is my hope. The reason I talk about the coming of the groom, one, because I'm excited, but number two, if my heart really is for people to come to know Jesus, my hope is that I give them every fighting chance. 
If you were in our Revelation study that we did, I think it was last year, we handed out a book um, to, to some of our class that says, um, where did all the missing people go? We leave that book sitting on our coffee table. Why do we leave that sitting on our coffee table? We leave it sitting on our coffee table because the moment that Christ returns for his bride, I don't need anything in my house. But guess who does? Those who are left behind. And my hopes is that if I leave this here and I leave something for them, that they will have a fighting chance to not be deceived and to one day walk into the kingdom and be like, thank you for that book. And, and that is truly my hope. If God so desires for us not to be lost, how much more shouldn't our heart be for those that we're talking to? And if we really do believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, we would be talking about our groom and be excited to talk about Jesus with people. So we're going back to Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Go ahead and pull that scripture up again. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and, the only, and only a few ever find it. Go ahead and go to that scripture again with the bold italics. So I want to, I want to emphasize a few things here in this scripture and it's for us to identify, like I said, when it comes to a path, what's really important is for us to understand and have our eyes open. So why do I talk about prophecy to the church right now? Why do I talk about it to people I run into? Because my hopes is that there's an urgency to share Jesus. My hopes is that their eyes are going to be open. My hopes is that if they don't open their eyes right now, when Jesus comes back for his bride, that their eyes will be opened and it won't be UFOs took us. It, it, it's funny, but it's not because this is the deception that's coming upon the world. This is, what, this is what the world is talking about. So here we see you can enter God's kingdom only. Everyone say only. only. A great deception coming upon the world that is on the world right now is that there are many ways to God. And right here we can see in this scripture, these are the words of Jesus you can you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Everyone say narrow. narrow. So we know that this pathway is narrow or other translations you have seen the straight path. I love um, Cody when he preached uh, a few weeks ago, he talked about the Pilgrim's Progress. Me and my son love the Pilgrim's Progress. We've read the books. They got a cool movie on it, which you can watch on YouTube, right now media, pretty much anywhere for free. And this entire movie is incredible. But me and my son, we talk a lot about the celestial city or God's kingdom. And we talk about what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. I mean, he's got some really good questions that um, sometimes leave me a little stumped. I'm almost like, I don't really know. All I know is that it's going to be amazing. And so I try to get him to the point of thinking, think about any, like, think about heaven. What's the greatest thing you can think of? And he's coming up with ideas, and I'm like, guess what? God says it's going to be better than anything you can possibly imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! I, I don't know. That's exciting to me. All right, so this is a narrow, narrow gate. All right, so the highway to hell, everyone say highway to hell. Yeah, some of us know that song a little too well. Um, I remember I used to DJ, and I just I remember actually playing this song. And unfortunately, there is a point in my life where deception has overtaken me. And I remember playing this song, and I don't know what it was, but when you turn the song on, it's just like 
Drinks went up in the air and people were ready to party. But what's amazing is we look at the deception in this is some of these artists, and I'm not just talking about ACDC, but many of the artists of the music that is out there, they're not out to glorify God. Actually, it, it goes even a step further. It's not that they're just not about glorifying God and they want to glorify themselves. It's the, a lot of artists out there, if you look at the lyrics of these songs, they're actually out to glorify Satan himself. Here's some lyrics to Highway to Hell. No stop signs or speed limits. Nobody's gonna slow me down like a wheel gonna spin it. Nobody's gonna mess me around. Hey, Satan, paying my dues, playing in a rockin' band. Hey, mama, look at me. I'm on my way to the promised land. This... This has been a deception that's been going on for a while. My heart hurts for them, especially for musicians, because I'm a musician. And I've been in their spot. And it's because of God's grace. Thank you, Jesus, for not giving me fame. Right? Thank you. Because I could have been lost. Here's... Here's a hard truth from Luke 14, 33. So you cannot become my disciples without giving up everything you own. Whoa, are you telling us that we need to sell everything? No, but it is you, everything that you have, you understand that it belongs to God. He gave you it for a reason, and that reason is to glorify himself. Not for your comfort, and if he's telling you to give up something, I'm telling you, you need to give it up because Christ is saying that if you want to be my disciple, you must give up everything you own. So we're giving it up to him. So when we look back, go ahead and pull that Matthew verse back up again. We're going to look at the highway to hell is broad. The gate is wide for the many who choose the way. Everyone say choose. This is important for us to understand. When it comes to walking a path, you get a choice. Not just to eternal life, but what's amazing is God allows you to choose the path to take in this life as well. I remember getting ready to go to college right out of high school, and I thought everyone needs to go. My, like in our family, I was getting ready. I was trying to choose a college, and I was praying so hard. God, I need to know what college I need to go to. And I kept praying and, and looking at his word. And I got so stressed out because I couldn't, I, I didn't hear God's voice. I'm just like, I don't know what college to choose. And my dad was just like, hold on. Have you been praying about it? I'm like, yes, I've been praying. Where's my answer? And he's just like, and, and you're trusting God in this. I'm just like, yes. And he's just like, then just choose the college and he will make your path. I was like, well, hold on. You're saying it's that easy? But God allows us to make our choices. And even in this, when it comes to our eternal salvation, it is a choice that we're making. Unfortunately, in my life, there's been a lot of bad choices which lead to a lot of destruction in our lives. So we're not just talking about eternal life. We're talking about the way our lives are. Many of us can look back on our lives right now and be like, man, if I didn't make that choice, my life would have been a little bit easier. 
Because this is the way God has pathed out for us, not just with eternal life, but the decisions that we make here in this life now. He allows us to make decisions. If we seek him first, he has the very best in mind for us. It does not mean it's gonna be easy. So, but the gateway to life is very narrow. What's unique about that is I was looking at the scripture and diving in, that second word narrow, as we dive into it, um, what's hard in the translation, it gets lost. It doesn't just mean skinny, but that word is actually originally a verb, which means to be squeezed. What, what it's saying to us is that we need to be less of ourselves. We need to be squeezed in order to enter into this gate. So when we, when we give our life to Christ, we become less of ourselves and we ask God to be more. The gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. Oh, I know this is, this is never easy to preach on, but sometimes the road is gonna be hard and I know a couple weeks ago, Pastor Tom talked about this, that difficulty will come, suffering will come. But God, is, God has a plan, he's doing something and only a few ever find it. This scripture is hard for us to grab a hold of, and I hope it wrenches on your heart the same way it does mine, because it means that many, many people are gonna be lost, and our job right now is to tell people about Jesus. It's not your job to save people. It's your job to tell them about the goodness of God, the promises of God, the eternal promise of salvation, and you let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit actually does a whole lot better than when we get in the way. Why does the gate to hell? Many enter through this gate and we get to choose. Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, a declaration, you're declaring Jesus is Lord. We have a hard time with that in our society because we are a democracy. But when it comes to kingship, we submit ourselves to the king. We are saying Jesus is king. He is Lord. He is the ruler over my life. I don't have to understand it. I submit myself to the authority of the king. What's great about our king is he has, again, greater things for us than we even can imagine for ourselves. I openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. And I remember Pastor Tom talking about this a couple weeks ago. Believe in your heart. That's a, that's a, a pivotal point in this scripture. How do we know that we believe in our heart? It's not about your works, but there's gonna be some fruit if you believe in your heart. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. What an incredible promise. I love that God says the way is narrow. I'm glad that God said there's only one way and it was through Jesus. We have a hard time confusing stuff with multiple choices. I'm so glad he just said, no, it's just this way. Because think how much other deception would come if there was 12 ways. We, we would mess that up even more. But no, he said, there's one way. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make this incredibly simple for you. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So how do we know 
that we're walking on the right path? How do we know that we're on the narrow path and not the wide path? We look in Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet. How do you know you're walking on the right path? You trust in the word of God aside from your understanding. God, God will sort it out later. But you trust in the word of God and, you continue, and when you don't understand, you dive in deeper and you continue to chew upon the word of God because his word is a lamp to guide your feet and it's a light for my path. God's word will guide you into all truth. It will keep you on that path. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. When's the last time you paused for just a moment and said, Lord, is my faith genuine? Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So this is the path to heaven. The word of God is gonna lead us to the Father. But what do we do while we're here on earth? What about, how do we live now? Proverbs 3, 6 says, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. How do you know what to do? Seek his will. And he's gonna help you in the path to take. God is not looking to smite you. He's not looking for the opportunity for you to be like, you did that wrong. He's looking to guide you if you put your trust in him to guide you down the right path. We have a good father. Proverbs 10, 17, 17, people who accept discipline are on the pathway to life. This is a hard one. This is a hard one. People who accept discipline. Why do we meet together? Because you need people in your life that you're okay with them telling you that you're wrong. I got, I got one of my own in my life. I'm not going to throw out names, but thank you, Jesus, for her. <laughs> she, she really lovingly does that. But it's okay for us to be corrected when we're wrong. Can we, can, can we just, I know our pride wants to get in the way and say, don't, don't tell me I'm wrong. And, and we, our pride says, you can't tell me I'm wrong. What about this? And so we totally disregard the sin that we actually have. We need to humble ourselves and be okay with accepting correction. Is that person potentially wrong? Absolutely. But it's not for, like, there's a moment there that you accept correction. It's okay. Because this word says that, I just lost my spot. People who accept discipline are on a pathway to life. We want to be on a pathway to life but you must accept discipline. But those who ignore correction will go astray. Again, this movie, Pilgrim's Progress, if you get a chance to watch that, even with your kids, read the book. The constant theme in this is a Christian who's walking this path is constantly encounter different people who are trying to lead him down a different path, even a path that might look better. So 
We have a path that leads to the Father. We have a way that God says if we trust in his word and seek his on earth, he's going to guide our steps. What's also important is when we're walking down a path is that we understand, especially for those who have kids or who are teachers or who are in charge of anyone, that you understand that the path you walk is how you lead. The path that you are walking. So as much as I want to say, hey, Micah, that's the way to Jesus. He may not necessarily grab a hold of that until I start walking down this path and say, this is the pathway, follow me. Why is it important for us to test ourselves and know that we're on the right path? The path we lead others on is important. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way. So we're talking about a path. There is a way, the way they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart from it. You're not gonna train up a child in the way if you're not walking the way. All they see is you saying one thing and doing another. But if you're walking the way and you say, follow me, then they know this is the way. They could be blind, which... A lot of us would argue that a lot of our kids, when we give them correction, they are blind. Uh, but it's okay because until their eyes are open, it is your responsibility as the parent to grab a hold of them and says, follow me even if you can't see because I'm walking down this path and I will lead you even if you're blind. The way is so important, but it's so important for us to walk down it. I want you to ponder this. If I truly believe God's word is truth, and I'm gonna have the worship team come on up. If I truly believe God's word is truth, am I living as a believer who is willing to give everything to follow Jesus? If God's promises are so vast and so great for us, and we know that the day is drawing near, that he's coming back for a perfect bride are we willing as believers to give everything to follow Jesus? What's important is if you don't know the way. So I want to address that right now. If you do not know the way to Jesus, we read some of these scriptures. Again, go back online. I, I want to encourage you that if you profess Jesus with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you are submitting yourselves to his authority. He will guide you on the right path. You will walk through this narrow gate that is to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm gonna pull that up. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. You know what's amazing is when Jesus was talking about I am the way, the truth, and the life, the disciples had a, a bit of fear of him, and I'm gonna share this. Don't let your hearts, this is the words of Jesus, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's house. So this is the moment. Jesus is actually talking to them about the Father's house. This is what we're talking about this morning, the Father's house. There's a gate to the Father's house, and we're talking about the path we need to be on to follow Jesus. If there were not so, 
would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place? Jesus is saying, I am going. So that right now in this state in history that we are at, Jesus is preparing a place for us so that he can come back for his bride and he can take us with him. This is what he's talking about. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way where I'm going. Thomas was like, we don't know where you're going. And Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Will you stand with us this morning? There is one way to the Father, and the time is drawing near. Don't be deceived. But even more importantly, if you already say, I know Jesus, I know I'm walking the way, then share Jesus with someone else so they can too know the way. Because what kind of faith do we have in God if we're not sharing? What kind of love of Christ do we have if we're not sharing it with the world? There are opportunities. When Stephanie and I, we pray in the morning, we get the opportunity. Our, our number one thing that we ask when we pray is Holy Spirit, Help us to see the opportunities to share the gospel. We even went to a birthday party yesterday with some friends. And we had a conversation because both of us, while we're at that birthday party, we're just looking for opportunities to talk about God, to talk about Jesus, because it's that important. Every opportunity, seek every opportunity for the time is coming close to an end. If you're watching online or even if you're in-house and you want more information, I believe we have booklets in the back of the, the pews. Or ask a staff member or out at the rotunda out there, the Welcome Center, ask someone. And we have booklets that will help guide you through these first steps in your faith journey of what it means to follow after Jesus, what it means to walk in the way that Jesus walked. Will you pray this with me? I'm gonna wait for them to pull up the prayer and we're gonna pray this together. Jesus, open my spiritual eyes to see which path I need to take. Help me to seek you first in everything. Give me a passion to know you through your word. Give me a boldness to talk with others about the plans you have for those who love you, amen. We're gonna leave that prayer up for a moment. As the worship team comes and we have prayer team up here, if you have questions right now, this is the opportunity for questions. These people who pray with you up here, they're gonna join their faith with yours, but I know these is awesome men of God, women of God who know the word. And if you have questions, these are the people to ask or ask, come ask Pastor Tom or ask myself or most of the time, I love this church. You can turn to your neighbor and probably ask them and they're gonna know how to guide you to Jesus. I love our church. This is your opportunity to be on the narrow path which leads to life. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that God spoke to you through today's message. If you wanna know more about Faith Church, Text CONNECT to 419-664-4555. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening, and may you find, follow Jesus.